Hey fam. You know we gotta pay the bill, so we're gonna start off with that. Cold read. The grappling hour is brought to you by Luda Gear. Athletic support items created by grapplers for grapplers. Fire grub meal prep. Meal prep. Done right. Now let's get to the show. Bless me, Helio, for I have sinned. Yes, it is another week of Sunday Confessional. My name is Rafa Sparza, host of the Grappling Hour, your friend and friendly neighborhood jiu-jitsu podcaster. We got some great responses last week. It's not like I think you guys are shitty human beings. It's that I don't expect the outpouring of support and uh, admiration. Now, of course, there are some of you who still are terrible human beings and write terrible jokes. Unfortunately, you're my people. That's what statistics tell me. But I thought there was something that was really remarkable that somebody wrote that I wanted to start before we really went any further on this week's episode. But we got some feedback from individuals who said they really, really liked it. And I can't tell you how many people themselves walked up to me and just said, I really like the Sunday confessional episodes. Now we've put out episodes, uh, we put out two grappling hours last week, and I was expecting to hear people talk about Craig Jones and uh, that sort of a thing, but it felt very nice to hear people who were uh, were either touched or moved, or I, I don't know the right phrasing, but it, I, I feel very humbled by it, as I guess what I'm trying to get to. Uh, on our Instagram, somebody said, it was awesome. Reminded me of the Inside BJJ, sorry, Raph, Wednesday grind episodes, what they were doing for a bit. Keep up the awesome work, dude. Well, thank you. Um, I mean, if it reminds you of Inside BJJ, then I'm not sure I'm doing a good job. But this is the one that really, I think, hit home for me. This was Brian of the Jungle who said, my origin story is very similar to yours, Raph, only my time reason for the time off in the beginning was far less noble. Before I even get to where I fell in love with grappling, I wanted to address this for this simple reason. I don't think what I did was any uh, more or less noble than any other human being. Uh, What I think Brian is referring to was last week I revealed that I took time off because of a death in my family. And I think it was really, really hard for me to give up on the idea of doing grappling. And I'll be very honest with you. I never canceled my subscription to uh, 10th Planet. That's stupid. I was paying for months where I didn't use it. And I did it to keep myself accountable. And I would pop in every once in a while, but there was never enough consistency that I could be proud of. That bugged me. And yes, 
it is nice to have spent that time with my dad and uh, my girlfriend, who's now my wife. But at the time, I knew I would come back to grappling. So no, I'm, I'm not really sure I would call it noble. I would just call it a recognition of what was happening to me at the time. And a stubbornness to not even keep your money <laughs> and, and, uh, and, you know, uh, use your gym membership properly. It's partially the reason why when I hear there are those guys who come and go or come and quit, I have some sympathy toward that. I understand maybe more than most what it's like to do something to try and keep yourself accountable. The difference is I showed back up and some people don't do that and that's fine. I just know that, you know, that whole time I was just miserable, not fully training because I knew that somewhere in the back of my brain, I was going to return. I didn't know how, I didn't know where, I didn't know when. So Brian, you are very, very nice to write that note. Um, I unfortunately cannot uh, accept <laughs> the, uh, the noble reasons. But let's ask ourselves, what brought me back? To get to that answer, I think we really have to analyze where I fell in love with grappling. I ask this question to people so many times because every hero journey is important. But when you put your heroes up on a pedestal, you make it seem like the journey isn't possible. You make it seem like all these giant athletes are doing things that are crazy uh, and out of the realm of something you yourself can do. And you're within the realm of possibility at all times. Now, granted, that doesn't mean it's always going to happen for everybody. Statistically, there's always going to be a 2% who are the best at this sport. But that doesn't mean you can't work your way to being that 2%. It's just going to take a lot of work. That's not in the cards for me. I'm not somebody who's driven to be the best at grappling. I'm driven to be a guy who's healthier than usual or should be. Uh, maybe a smidge better than somebody sitting on a couch. So I ask this question because I always want to know what makes the athlete tick, what makes them human, what makes them relatable to those of us who endure a struggle but maybe don't reap what they've seen in their lives. So I've thought about it for a week. I've had far more time to really think about the answer because I'm the one asking it uh, than I would normally give the individuals who I interview. And I, I think some answers come back to when I was a kid, I was always very durable. And when you're durable, you find a sense of belonging because you think to yourself, oh, man, these guys all think I'm pretty dope because I can actually stay in the fight. I'm not winning the fight, but I'm in the fight. Uh, one of my best friends, Bram Bond, uh, who I grew up with, this guy, he was essentially the Ivan Drago to my Rocky. And uh, I never picked on smaller people, but I would occasionally kind of like, uh, you know, pick on him and, and joke and, and like a brother. You know, he, he's one of those guys who's uh, just we get along so great because we know we're always kidding. We know we can always uh, come back to that really solid foundation of being good friends. 
So uh, we would watch like, you know, a professional wrestling and then we try and do the moves. And he was so strong, he could like deadlift powerbomb me at will, which is uh, terrifying, especially if you're not a high flyer. And I'm not a high flyer. I always try to be the technical guy. But one of the things that Bond would always enjoy is the fact that here's somebody who's significantly bigger and stronger than me and even faster than me. And uh, he would really have to work to try and do something uh, that would, you know, subdue me or put me away. And so I think from that early stage, I kind of recognized, oh, I might have some kind of skill for this. I just always thought that if you did wrestling, you were a tough person, that you had something that you were good at doing and that you had a durability to yourself. And way back then, I could never see that in myself. Of course, over the years, I would, you know, grapple here and there and I would find that durability would come back. I have one distinct memory from when I was at 10th Planet Burbank and uh, I was rolling with a Marine. And throughout my time, there were a number of people who were uh, military members who I would roll with who always came away with a kind of appreciation of, hey, you're not too bad at this. But this Marine uh, was giving me a compliment. And, you know, he was on my back and he was trying to choke me out. Buzzer rings after about six, seven minutes. And I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just trying to solve parts of the equation moving around me. At the end of the roll, he looks at me and he says, hey, man. You're tough. And I was like, oh. Wow, thanks, man. Nobody's ever really called me tough. I've just kind of been durable or, uh, you know, sometimes the guys would refer to it as being lucky when in actuality, I'm like, hey, you motherfuckers, there's no luck about it. I just dismantled all of your fucking shit. Anyway, that's a different story. So this Marine looked at me and he goes, dude, you're you're fucking tough. I, I rolled with plenty of people in the core and you you're really tough. And I took it as a major compliment. I looked at him and I said, well, thank you, sir. And he goes, now granted, part of the reason I can't choke you is because you have a giant head. Now, this probably prepared me more for what my game would eventually become than I think anything else. Because it was a compliment followed by a backhanded compliment, which is... I probably would have submitted you and gotten a rear naked choke if you didn't have such an obtuse giant head. And that, my friends, is where I think really came into the idea uh, that I should always be self-effacing <laughs> when, <laughs> when grappling. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I thought it was pretty funny. And I don't think he meant any true harm about it. I think he was just leveling with me and telling me he probably would have murdered me 12 times over uh, if not for my giant stupid head and that made me laugh I don't know that I ever felt a part of that culture uh, when I was at that 10th planet I've felt a, a very very close to a number of different gyms throughout my experience but when that guy made that joke it set the bar of what I knew training partners could be like so in that respect, I think you know, training partners is, is good in the sense that they can make you feel at home and they can make you feel uh, welcomed. I think the first real time 
that I felt that I was in love with the sport was the moment I could translate how to be a teacher, the same kind of teacher I was in speech or in, um, you know, in school. And I recognize that while I may not have the athletic ability of my peers or even their skill to pick things up as quickly, once I had a move or I understood a concept of something, you know, my skill has always been my ability to communicate. So when I found that I could relay ideas or concepts or messages to the people who I was training with, I began to see a value in myself in this sport. And I think that's the moment you know you're hooked. It's the moment when you find your role in it. Now, granted, uh, at this point, I'd already probably interviewed dozens or <laughs> I wasn't quite at hundreds, but dozens of athletes. And the moments that my teammates and my friends and my training partners would come up to me and ask me for help, even as a white belt or a blue belt, it developed something that was bigger than I think myself. And I've always been a person who's thrived in team environments. So when I could take the element of an individualized sport and find my role as a team member, even within my own gym or when I visited or uh, rolled with other people, I'll never forget the first time somebody said thank you. Just helping them see the difference between, you know, a successful armbar and an unsuccessful armbar. And the look on their face when they said, oh, I totally get it now. The added fun of that and having them try to murder me with that same move, I mean, that's obviously... They didn't get me, so don't worry, it's fine. But <laughs> uh, I guess I didn't teach it that well. I don't know, it's a double-edged sword. But the fact that they were trying to apply the concept that I was teaching them and I could see them do it to other people and I saw them set it up beautifully on me, it gave me the edge in saying, I have a role. I have a place here. And I think that's pretty cool. I didn't expect that to happen. I just expected to be the guy who comes in, puts in my time, does some cardio, very light cardio, and then called it a day. So that, friends, is where I personally fell in love with jiu-jitsu. Anyway, again, thank you to everybody who gave such great feedback. I mean, listen, uh, you don't understand what it's like to, to be somebody uh, who gets a note from one Tony Burchak who says... Uh, Always good to get a perspective from athletes who do it for the love and for the game. Uh, Tony, I know you, buddy, but I'm not an athlete. I'm just a, just a guy who talks and shows up and occasionally might have some insight to things. 
And uh, so many of you guys who said this is a great idea. So I really do hope that you enjoy these episodes. If you do, do us a solid. Go visit grapplinghour.com. Go to visit Grappling Hour on all of our social media platforms. So that's Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, people, because we're going to put up individualized episodes of uh, Grappling Hour on there as well. And, of course, uh, thanks to our sponsors, Luda Gear and Fire Grub Meal Prep. I can't say enough nice things. Uh, Luda Gear is apparently sending me a, uh, a set of items. And I look forward to bringing those on. They said they're going to deliver them to the guys over at the LA Jiu-Jitsu Club. So if you don't see me wearing them, it means they stole it from me. And on the other side, uh, I want to thank Fire Grub Meal Prep. Uh, my buddy Pablo working so hard. One of the things I'd always appreciate seeing him on a Sunday uh, on his posts for his personal page is talking about how tired he is. And it's a great reminder that we deal with those who grind just as hard as we do. So until next week, guys, my name is Rafa Sparza. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's been a great day for grappling. And I'll see you guys on the mats. <laughs>